0: Hey, Queeros. Cami here. Today on the podcast, Melanie Field, who you might know as Joe from the amazing Amazon series, League of Their Own. Well, we love that. And this is a very good chat, but you know what else is going to be good? I'm going on tour this midwinter? Spring? I don't know. I'll be in Seattle March 5th. One show sold out. Second show was added. Burlington, Vermont, March 9th through 11th. I think most of those shows are now sold out. Boston, that was sold out. So we added a second show. Denver, the 6th, of the 8th of April. Uh, Washington, D.C., April 23rd. Dallas, Texas, May 3rd and 4th. Austin, Texas, May 6th. Houston, Texas, May 10th and 11th. Go to CameronEsposito.com for shows. Nope, not for shows, for tickets. Oh, see you there. Uh-
1: whatever you want i'm i'm cool i have nothing to do (laughs) truly well that
0: can't be true because you have cornflakes in the background so you gotta get you gotta get into those
1: is it me or does it look like i set that up for um like i feel like so no that's not you like
0: i like what are they paying you
1: like it truly looks like like my husband sits here for all of his meetings and i walked by the other day and i was like it looks like you were like, let me make this kitchen look a little lived in. And like, you put a bag, you put the cornflakes, you put like the the butter. (laughs) It's too much. (laughs) No, they're not paying me, honestly. (laughs) They should.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, man. Those are, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh... Oh my God. We got to do it. That's so funny. How I always start the podcast. And by the way, the cornflakes stuff is totally going in there. So you're going to get paid. Um, Oh, I can't wait. Cornflakes, if you're listening. (laughs) I always have folks start the podcast by introducing themselves. So that's just a little bit of a cold open that we just did. But now we're going to get really into it. So can you introduce Great.
1: yourself? Hi, everyone. I am Melanie Field. Hmm. What might they know you from that's like recently happened? They, you may recently know me from a League of Their Own uh, series on Amazon. Yeah. I play Joe. Mm-hmm. What a cutie joe Uh, joe oh my god (laughs) what do you think do you agree i'm actually obsessed with her it's like one of the only characters i've ever played i'm actually just trying to think if i'm gonna be wrong about this no i think that i've liked every character i've ever played but i have not been obsessed with every character i've ever done and this is a character that i'm obsessed with that i miss that i like think about that i like She's not a real person, but in my mind, I'm like, I wonder what Joe would be up to. Like, I truly like, I can't le- Like, I can't let her go. It's very weird.
0: Yeah, she's the cutest, and you know, there's a lot of stuff to say about like what's going on with that character. Love, queer, mm-hmm. friendship, which we really almost never mm-hmm. get to see. I mean, what's happening on the L Word is not that because everybody fucks each other, right. and I have people in my life that I'm friends with that are queer that I don't fuck. Um, yeah, Me too. and. You know, love that. And the honestly, the only place I can really remember seeing it and having it be like, really feel right was um in Orange is the New Black. Like, mm-hmm. there were some... It's like, these people wouldn't get together and then they didn't. And like, it was clear that they wouldn't get together and then the show let that happen, that they didn't yes, get together.
1: That they didn't get together and they were just friends uh-huh. and, and, you know, and like also leaning on each other for survival, which... Yeah. You know th- them being in prison and all, um, yeah, I agree, I think, um that's my favorite thing about league is the you know, yes, the like kissing in the you know um kissing in the closet, love stories are like fun and exciting, but I am obsessed with the platonic love that, yeah is in the show especially obviously joe and greta i feel Mm -hmm. very connected to because of being in that but Mm -hmm. even with like jess's character uh kelly mccormick's character um named jess i never know like do i say the actor's name do i say the character's name i just feel like there's a lot of non-sexualized yeah queer love and queer yeah friendship and queer family building that i like think is so special about the show
0: yeah me too a hundred percent and the And, you know, um, also just like real talk, Darcy Carden. Very nice. Yeah. Wonderful.
1: Wonderful. Very nice. Beyond. Smart. Really nice. So nice. She is an angel on this earth. She she is like, you know, we met. I did not know her before doing League. Um, I was a fan from afar. And (laughs) when I went to my audition, I think it was one of my second or third auditions, like one of my callbacks, um, they just kind of sprung it on me, like, "Oh, just so you know, Darcy's here, and she's going to be reading with you guys." And I was like, you know, a little like, "Okay, Darcy's here," and like, "Oh, this is oh different," you know, God. getting <laughs> getting all this info in real time. Um, but we, I walked in the room, and I, it's it's funny because we've done a lot of interviews together, and we'll t- we'll both talk about it, so I know it's not just me. It was just like instant, crazy chemistry, like chemistry, like I have never felt with a stranger, let alone someone I'm, like, about to act with. And it was so easy and so fun and just, like, naturally lived in. Like, I honestly do not think I would have given as good an audition if it were, had been anybody else. Like, we just, like, phoom, meshed, clicked immediately. It was amazing. And part of that is because she's an incredible actress. But it was, like, it was beyond that. It was, like, just personality-wise, energy-wise, spirit-wise, we just, like, hit it off. I've had that experience. It just means you're supposed to have the job. Yeah, it, like, that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is right. This means something. Like, th- there's something here.
0: And I mean, also, I will say, um, obviously known Kate Berlant for a very long time. Just mm-hmm. stand-up. So cute to see her, like, really rocking that character. And Abby is also great and does a great the job best. in this show. So that's fun. Like, I really like the cast members that I know I really like, which yeah. is so fun. And I love that for you because... I don't know. I'm, like, basing this on, like, Instagram pictures. It really seems like sure. folks, like, got along, you know, and that there was, like, a camaraderie in the cast, which is, like, not, a, not always true, you know? I have, my buddy Liv Houston is on Yellow Jackets, and, like, I think they have that experience, which is really cool. Uh-huh. Some of it is because they're, like, all the same age, and they're, like, young people, um, and there's, like, two casts. There's, like, the older cast and the young cast, and, like, the <laughs> young people are, like, boys with each other. Um sure. But yeah, that seemed like it was true. I mean, obviously, you're, you're probably not going to like be on the record on the podcast and be like, "We actually hated each other." IRL. But.
1: What if this is the moment that, like, I actually reveal? I'm like, well, yeah, dude. it's been a year. Give me that scoop, man. Come on. <gasps> oh my god, I wish I wish I had dirt. No, you what you see and 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 feel is is true. It was, you know, I think part of that I attribute to having at the helm, like she, one, she's such an amazing leader and she's just such an amazing person. And it's, she's so lovable. It's like, she's the best person to receive any like information from or direction or like greatest boss. And she put together a really fantastic group of people. and, And I think she, she had to have known that. I'm sure it was by design, but yeah, we all bonded very very quickly. Part of it was because, you know, usually with a pilot, like the one I'm doing now, for example, we, you know, we showed up, we didn't really have any formal meet and greets. We did a zoom reading, like, and then we're going to be acting together. It was like, it's so fast with league. We were doing baseball training, like two days a week, baseball camp before we started the pilot. So by the time we started filming, actually like doing the work, we had all developed like crazy rapport with each other and we're already friendly and friends and felt like this little family. of like actors trying to learn how to learn or relearn how to play baseball. And it really brought us all together in a way that I think came across in the, in the pilot and, and subsequently in the series. But yeah, just the greatest group, really good friends, enjoyed our time together. We were in Pittsburgh. So we did a lot of, of, you know, social hanging out, spending time together. Um, yeah, like truly truly really formed amazing friendships um Pittsburgh is legitimately cool okay I'll say it (laughs) Pittsburgh's cool it's cool I actually didn't know that and then I like
0: I I went there for shows and I I like I can't remember where I drove there from somewhere and I was I was uh, anticipating like look, I'm sure there's people from Pittsburgh that are listening, but I was really anticipating like a pretty, like an armpit situation, you know, like, sure, a, sure, sure. Like a, like a, like a rough, mm-hmm. whatever. And then like I rounded the corner and it's, inc- I mean, as I was probably 20 minutes away or whatever, it's like incredibly green, like yep. gorgeous hills,
1: uh, art deco buildings. Mm-hmm. Architecture is really cool. It's very industrial, but like, has that just gives it like a cool edge and yeah. like, it definitely feels historically preserved which is why i think it was great to film you right. know a, a history show there but um no i actually loved pittsburgh and being from philadelphia you know a lot of people think that philadelphia and pittsburgh are the same or that they're close to each other which they're not um but i love that when people are like oh well you know you filmed in pittsburgh isn't that where you're from i'm like Absolutely not. <laughs> six <laughs> six hours were, away. I didn't know you were from Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm from well, from the suburbs of Philly, but um, but yeah. So I wasn't sure really what what suburb. Um, it's called Hatboro. Okay. One of my college Why?
0: roommates was from Haddonfield. I don't know where the fuck that is compared to the
1: I know of it, but I don't know where it is. Isn't it? It's Jersey. Um, oh well, that's not that's not Philly. No, but it's like
0: Philly's the closest city <laughs> kind of a vibe. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I apologize. Um. That's like
1: saying you're from My Philly, mistake. but you live in Cherry Hill. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I do love our... Next door. I know. I do. And you know, you know, it's funny. People who live in Cherry Hill live closer to Philly than I did growing up, but I still feel like I get to say I'm from, yeah, <laughs> not from honestly, Philly. Yeah, honestly, Jersey. I'm the one
0: who gets to decide this, and you do get to say that. Thank
1: you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>
0: growing up in philly or wherever you grew up <laughs> in the
1: suburbs yeah well i mean it was t- I, I grew up in a pretty small town um it was a small town surrounded by other towns so it's not like it was remote or anything it just it was definitely small town vibes um called hatboro mm-hmm. which is a very old town now i get into the hatboro history you know? <laughs> yeah come <laughs> was, on run through it you yeah. know it was it was um they made hats during the uh revolutionary war are you kidding Yes. And that's why the town ended up being called Happer. No, are you serious? Is that real? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious.
0: Oh my God. That is, you know what? I fucking love shit like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched like strongest man competitions. Look, it doesn't matter. Yeah. For a while they were like on various like ESPN 12s, you know, you're like, sure. You're like deep in the ESPNs and the world's strongest man. And a lot of them are from like Nordic countries. So they have that thing where their names are like Cameron's daughter, but like that's their last name, but it's like spelled <laughs> wild, but it like means like a child of
1: this person. And sure. That,
0: anyway, I could die when I get when I hear that.
1: It's it's so thrilling. I used to think that it was like a joke or a lie, but like turns out it's actually real. Like it really was where they made hats in the revolution. <laughs> Come on, are you are talking about tricorders? I guess. Yeah. The OGs and this street, this one street that's right by where. I live is called crooked crooked billet and there's a a sign that says like here fought the battle of crooked billet no <laughs> yeah it's crazy you're kidding um and i swear to god like i didn't really think any of that was cool until i like moved away now i'm like oh that's neat um it's a tiny little place but we love it um i will say just guess to shout out Habro real quick i went I I was go- I hadn't been home for a while because pandemic, et cetera. And when I finally did go back home, I noticed that at the entry to Hatboro, there's like a main street and there's a big sign that says, welcome to the borough of Hatboro. And there's, you know, an American flag and some sort of military flag. And there's a gay pride flag in, in the entrance of Hatboro. Excuse. Yeah, fully inclusive, has all of it. And I was like, one, that's so exciting just in general, but also like, damn, like, they didn't have that when I was growing up. Like, that's really cool that now that's, like, a flag that they're flying at the entrance to this town. Like, any any person who's who happens to be making their way through Hatboro <laughs> will now see a gay flag. I thought that was very cool.
0: I mean, I love that. And the only thing I can compare it to in my life is that my folks... You know, I'm from the suburbs too. I'm from a I'm from a suburb in Chicago where there's like a butcher, a baker, a fruit store. Mm-hmm. It's called the fruit store. Mm-hmm. I used to get glass bottles of milk delivered to my house growing up. This is sure a ridiculous way to live. And my parents, when I, I was I was there for New Year's this year, and my little sister lives in Argentina, and I can't remember what we were saying. we were like talking about like. Oh, my mom got out a mug. <laughs> my mom got out a mug that had a pride flag on it, uh, to have coffee with. And I was like, Mom, and then she was like, You ain't seen nothing yet. And she got a then she opened her a little cabinet and she got out a mug that said like, habla español or whatever. And then my dad went and got a, an Argentine flag and their pride flag, which I and then wrapped them around their shoulders. Look, no, you can have parents, you know, but it's it's great to have parents. You know what I mean? That is
1: so <laughs> touching. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, just too much, right? Oh my oh, God. Just God. What's the name of the town Western where Springs? these parents are? Western Springs, naturally. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Clearly. Clearly, right? The Milkman. <laughs> How are we supposed it's to do wholesome. this? It's wholesome. <sighs> it's really wholesome. Yeah. It, um. It truly not is. to stay on Hapbro, but a funny one. Yeah, you got about is that <laughs> my friend Molly, who was also in the show um, League of Their Own, she played Maybell. She grew up, funnily enough, in a town called Doylestown, which is just north of where I grew up. We didn't know each other. We went to different schools, whatever. But when we finally met, um, we made this connection. And I was like, oh my God, you're from Doylestown. I'm from Hapbro. And... Doylestown is a is a traditionally more wealthy area, kind of nice, has a really, really nice downtown, like almost even a tourist destination, potentially for people coming, wanting to get out of New York near New Hope, whatever. Hapro is not that I'll just say that. And she's like and she very sweetly was like, oh, yeah, she's like she's like we used to I was she's like we used to drive down um, 611. That's the, the road. That goes from Doyle Sound to, to wherever. And she's like, and "We every time we passed through Hatbro, it kind of kind of became this family joke. We just, we felt like every time we passed through, we always saw a guy with a limp. <laughs> and I was like, that is oh. just so perfect. Wow. I mean, <laughs> just Hatbro, where the gay pride flag flies <laughs> and the, the men with limps walk around to the bakery. Oh and the verdict said that it was just very funny and made me
0: laugh also i mean here's a here's a thing that i happen to know um what because i met her uh is that maybelle blair was a real person that played in the league the actual yes american baseball
1: league. what the fuck was all american girls thank you professional baseball That's, league. i mean
0: how could i know the fucking song so how did i how did I screw that Come up? Come on. We are, remember, I mean, I can't be 41 and not know this song. You know, that was, you gotta Im- know it. that's important, right? Um, She came out during like, yes. the press for the show, which I was so happy yes. for her. About. So you did meet her. I said. did meet her and actually her partner
1: Um, a while ago. She is like, not only the most amazing woman I've ever met, but she was the biggest, like, Hype girl for the show. Like, I'm just, as I'm sure you saw, she was involved in so much press. Yes. Um, and w- willingly, like, was really just loved the show so much, was so happy about what it was doing. I think she felt so seen and validated by the stories that were being told in there. And yeah, at like one of the screenings, she just like came out publicly on a panel. It's and a big it was,
0: oh,
1: in the 90s, she's, like incredible.
0: Yeah, exactly. For anybody that's listening, just some context here. Yeah, this is like a... She's a pitcher, and she still walks with a cane that has like... That's like a baseball bat. It's a
1: baseball bat. <laughs> she has a it's baseball, a baseball bat, bat,
0: but a cane. cane. Yes. <laughs> and uh, she's like real tough and has like a giant
1: bouffant and... She, massive hairdo that has yeah. like so much height, and she wears these incredibly... These sunglasses at all times that have these thick red frames. They're like full coverage sunglasses. It's truly she's They're like sports remarkable. glasses. Yes, yes, yes. Just look her up. You'll yeah. see her. <laughs>
0: and and she's like she's fully ninety and definitely more than that. They're yeah, like 90 she's in her nineties and like really still getting around. And uh, yeah, when I met her, she was talking about how she goes out and like plays catch on the beach near her house. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not
1: a young person and that was incredible it's impressive it's really impressive she's got tons of energy and like she's funny she's always making jokes she i think that that was a highlight of the whole experience was just how involved she was and how much time i got to spend with her
0: yeah that's awesome (laughs)
1: legend
0: for real yeah and um I mean, I guess the thing I will ask next, because I interviewed Abby for a long time ago, a long time ago for the podcast, but they, you, you were just starting because there were multiple uh, writers rooms to get yes. the script together to then get it produced. Like it was a long pre production process. Um, yes. And so I talked to her, I think just as, you were about to start shooting. Um, and so it's very cool to get to talk to you now. Yeah. At such a different time. But I guess I'm curious
1: about like what, the, did the movie mean something to you growing up? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching the movie. It definitely wasn't. Um, I wouldn't say it was like a formative movie. Like it, I, I loved it for sure. And I remember watching it a lot, like over and over again, it was more like when it was on TV. Um, you know how, like, they used to play movies on TV and you'd just, like, catch it anytime <laughs> it was on. I do remember what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd be like, you know, you either go to Blockbuster and you rent it or you <laughs> you catch it on the TV. And it played a lot. Like, it was playing a lot at that time. So I definitely watched it every time it was on. And, like, I kind of idolized Rosie O'Donnell when I was growing up. So anything that I could see her in. And this was when she... Um, later she had that tv show the the talk show and i was obsessed with it yeah um so yeah i like loved her and um and loved the movie and i did sports growing up so it was very cool to see women playing sports you know that that was not something that was readily accessible there were lots of of boy sport movies at the time and this was kind of the only one that wasn't that um i loved it i loved it in like that cult way where you're just like great movie like want to watch it every time it's on, wish I could like jump inside the TV screen and like hang out with them and be with them. And, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely like a part of my, of my growing up for sure. I'm going to ask you a question you don't have to
0: answer. Uh, cause it's like, it's a a touchy question in our field, but how old are you? You don't have to answer that.
1: How dare you? No, I'm kidding. I'm 33.
0: (laughs) That makes a difference that when you were describing it, I was like, Oh, she's in her thirties. She's like in her early thirties.
1: God, That's no, why. I just, no, but here's the sad thing. I'm 34. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, we don't know, and we don't know. Does Do you get to a point where you forget? Because yeah. honestly, I just said I'm 33 with the most confidence <laughs> I've ever said anything. And then it was like two beats and I went, what year is it? No, I'm not, I'm 34.
0: Yeah, my wow. wife is 35. And the six years between us, and this has been, like, very revealing to me because we have completely different cultural reference points. And it's not that, like, she doesn't know some of the stuff that was important to me, but, like, <laughs> it's just different. Like, because yeah, it matters it. when you were 10. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. what era you were 10. And when I was 10, you were negative 100. And so we, that matters, you know, the, it the, matters. the difference in age there for that movie specifically, especially. Because, like... I totally agree with you about Rosie O'Donnell, but, like, Madonna was, like, at the top of her game. Gina mm-hmm. Davis was amazing in that movie. Like, even Lori Petty was so good.
1: None of them really meant anything to me. Yeah, oh, no!
0: Oh, no! <laughs> I know, I know. Jordan, I turn saying... the... That was too loud,
1: you know what I mean? So
0: just turn that down, but that was... I oh, was God, just I'm O'Donnell so sweaty. I'm so sweaty. Because, I mean, when I met... Like, I got to do a couple panels with Gina, a couple years ago. And I mean, it was like, I had nothing to say to her. You know what I mean? Like, I just was like, good night. Happy to top of the morning to you.
1: They mean a great deal to me now. But at the time I was just like, Oh, Rosie. (laughs) (laughs) And also Lori Petty. I was a big fan of the movie. um, Tank Girl. Free Willy. Oh, Free! oh, (laughs) (laughs) she's in that. She is. Um, So there was that connection. Um, And of course I like, I, I, thought that Madonna and Gina Davis were amazing and beautiful, but I was just very like a rosy diehard. So
0: Free Willy. The the theme song to Free Willy, it are the lyrics to that hold me like the River Jordan? And then you will then say that that you are my friend? I think those might be the lyrics. Or
1: you know how in childhood They need to be looked up.
0: You know how in childhood you just sing what you hear. Whatever. I would be, hold on, hold <laughs> me like, like the, the River, River Jordan. Jordan. Like, I think that's what he says. Dun, dun, da, da, why is that da, the theme da, song to Free Willy? Okay, because I think not, it's being searched. What, where is the River Jordan? That's not near wherever Free Willy is. Jordan, Free where's up? Free Willy? Okay, hang on. Hold me like uh, the River Jordan. And I will then say to thee,
1: you are my friend. I fucking nailed it. What is the River Jordan doing? I wish that that. People saw my visual right now. What is that? My hand <laughs> my hand is clasped over my mouth. That was screen shared. That was
0: screen by none other than Jordan.
1: Jordan. Okay, so he it is hold me like the river Jordan, something something, I will be there. It it actually makes no sense, but it is very inspirational. Yeah, I mean in vibe, energy. You know? It's a beautiful song. <laughs> Does water <laughs> hold you? Oh I, I mean,
0: guess, it is you're buoyant.
1: Guess, yeah. It, isn't the Jordan River in that? There are biblical references there. I don't know. Is it salty? Do you like get. do you
0: No, I rivers like aren't salty. Jordan I don't know River. What are
1: you talking about? I, it's a salty river from the Bible. I know Is about something...
0: almonds. You know what I mean? I say like a candied <laughs> almond. You eat one of those,
1: you feel like you're being held yes, by your grandmother. Hold me. <laughs> like a Jordan almond. almond. Nailed it. <laughs> mm. Warm. <laughs> You said you played sports growing up. What did you play? Oh, yeah, I played some sports. I mean, look, I don't want to pose myself as some sort of athlete, because I was not. Um, it wasn't my strong suit, but I, I did it because it was the cool thing to do. And, you know, it was... Um, it was, yeah, it was the cool thing to do. So I I did... Um, I played some softball. Uh huh. I played some basketball, some volleyball, and I was on the track team. Um, and I I basically just only did field sports, so I threw the shot put on the track team. Oh, there we go. And um, what do you mean by there we go? Because that's every the coolest to- one. That's the oh, that's the coolest thing. The last time I did a podcast, I said I threw the shot put, and the podcast host Joanna went, "Oh, well, so you're definitely gay." <laughs> and I went, "Exactly." <laughs> I mean, there is a bit of a brute strength, you know, involved in that. I was ready to come out there and toss some people around. I needed to toss some people around. And honestly, you weren't going to get me to be running a mile. Okay, I was like, (laughs) it was my I have like absolute triggered, horrible memories of being like going to the track practice. And they're like, okay, we're going to start start with a warm up of a mile. And like my little brain just being like, like melting inside my head and being like, Oh, my God. And and being last and, like, seeing everyone finish and just being at the end. I mean, truly <laughs> full trauma. Um, never put me on a track and tell me, to, <laughs> tell me to run anything.
0: That's that's actually part of this show. Oh, later.
1: Yeah. I forgot about that.
0: I we do, forgot about the we track do,
1: portion. We do a 4 mm. by 100
0: relay that you have to anchor. And that's mm. just part of it.
1: It is the most pressure positioning anchor. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Damn damn uh, well okay so here i'm gonna i'm gonna make all the i'm gonna make all these questions make sense because i'm thinking about rosie yeah yeah and mm-hmm. one thing that i remember is that she was highly pressured to do things to her bod that mm. were really rough like i remember when she was in the Flintstones, or what is that movie where she's like wearing a like leather like bustier on the cover i wish i could remember what that fucking movie's called i'm sure jordan will help us out
1: um, jordan
0: <laughs> but uh she it wasn't you know it was that era where like she was she was too big like that was oh a my part God. of what people talked about and then i think that went away a little bit when she had her own talk show because sure. for some reason that was less difficult for people than her being in movies you know like the idea that she wasn't trying to be something, uh, yes. especially something attractive. She was just like obsessed with Tom Cruise. We can revisit that later, but- um, Yes. Yeah, I'm wondering about like, so having seen the show, and again, this is something where if this is like territory you don't wanna talk about, you can just be like- no, it's good. Fuck off. So having seen the show, like you have a different body type than some of the people mm-hmm. on the show. And yeah. that's, there we go. Oh my God, exit to Eden. Look at what Rosie had to do to herself. If you guys
1: are listening, well, if you're hearing this, you're listening. Google exit to Eden, Rosie O'Donnell, and you are going to see, first of all, Total Fox. Can we talk about the hair? Yeah, she's so hot. She looks great. But that is
0: insane. Yes, it's insane. I mean, she's first of all in, like, drag. And second of all... uh, that bod that she has there is so <laughs> Jordan. What a- says she-, <laughs> she googled Rosie and leather. That bod that she has there, I think she was. I mean, it was this was the era of like Oprah constantly talking about how much
1: oh weight my God. she was losing. The nineties was. Literally, like the birth, like any books that you read on sort of diet culture and when it got really bad, it's the nineties. It's Slim Fast. It's the Jenny Craig. It's it's all. And it, it's the when bread, she, I like bread. Yeah. And heroin. Her she, was she was like yeah. what was expected. That was new. Like that was that was new. It was when it all really, really, really got out of hand. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Rosie's like thriving during this time as a person in a larger body. I. We never, I I did get to meet her during the show, but we didn't get to get into it, into it. But maybe this is an opportunity for me to reach out and pick her brain. So I would love to know what it was like for her. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, she, growing up, I did not see pretty much anyone who looked like me um, on television. Definitely not in my age bracket, but, but also just in general, Um, which, you know, I've taken years and years and years to sort of dissect and, and, um, understand how that affected me growing up, how lack the lack of representation in the media is so damaging uh, for people. Um, but Rosie was that for me. Like she was one of those people that I saw and I was just like, well, people seem to think she's worth looking at and she's got something to offer. And I don't know that I was like noticing her weight fluctuations, but I just remember being like, she's a bigger person. We kind of look alike she's that she's that thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result, I don't think I really ever imagined myself being on television. I mean, it was a goal that came later in my life. Anyway, I was very much theater and musical theater focused, um, for most of my life, but I didn't really have any reason to think that I would end up on TV. Cause I just didn't see anybody who looked like me and it was just not in my, on my radar. So when I did start working in television and I, and you know, a show like league of their own comes up. Yeah. It's at first, first and foremost, I was grateful that they were open to having diverse bodies on there, um, on the show, because I think it's important. And second, it was really important to me that, that, that it, that it not be written anywhere or, or even like hinted at anywhere in the script that Joe had any complexes about her body because one, she doesn't Two she's a fierce athlete. She's really, really good at what she does. She's strong and she's powerful and talented. And I just wanted that to be at the forefront and they were in complete agreement with me on that. Um, so it was important to me that she be a figure of positive fat representation, as opposed to, you know, what we'd seen, have seen so much in our industry, which is Not that. Yeah, she's Um, sexy. Like, she's
0: supposed to be sexy and desirable, which I love. mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. She's wearing a short skirt, which, like, obviously, the fact that they had to wear skirts is bananas, but, like, love that she's wearing a short skirt and, like, showing off her bod. Also, baseball is legitimately one of those sports where there are diverse body types. Like, that's not true in basketball, because folks are, like, it's just the body type (laughs) is so, 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 so tall and skinny. Yeah because the whole point of that is like running the fuck up and down the thing but in baseball because because brute strength can be part of it mm-hmm. you know there are folks who like don't look like basketball players you know mm-hmm. and um so it makes sense that that would
1: exist in a baseball context like it yeah. also is helpful to that 100% you know story and i think too. i think as far as like you know there there is an element of there there's a moment in one of the episodes where she gets like haggled by the or heckler heckled by the guy in the crowd. And he says something about her losing weight. And I was okay with that because I'm like, you know, it is, it is okay if it, but I really, really want to be careful about how she reacts to it because I don't want it to read that Joe is like wounded by this or that she's like, you know, I think she's pissed. She doesn't want anyone saying shit about her, but it may be historically accurate that at that time, they would pick that thing to make fun of her yeah. for and that that's okay. It's just more to me about how she interacts with her body and she interacts with people who are interacting with her body. Um, and I really felt strongly about that. And luckily I had a ton of support on that and it was, it was relatively easy to do cause she was written She was written that way. And, um, and that always felt really authentic, uh, to play her that way in, in my body. Um, it was, yeah, it was like a real honor, honestly, to be able to do that. Man, that's so rad! I love that. We gotta change. We gotta change the world, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, baby. I mean, that's for real. Yeah. Little ways. Yeah, it's a very big deal. Um, you know, I mean, I certainly don't mean to speak out of turn if this is something that like you're interested in, but certainly we've seen a lot of examples of folks who like get to a place in their career and then change their bodies. Like, I think mm-hmm. that you know, like I'm thinking of Rebel Wilson or like. Mm-hmm oh my god, I can't remember that guy's name who used to star in Mike and Molly, and he recently had, like, gastric bypass. Now he's on the Mm -hmm. show, like, Bob Hart's Abishola, and he looks drastically different than he used to look, and he's been on TV for, like, I don't even know, decades or something. I don't know how long that show ran, but, like, to sort of be established as a certain body type and then change that is, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: certainly a message. Um, I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tricky subject because I believe in body, body autonomy. I believe that people get to do with their bodies, whatever they want to do with their bodies. And if that means that you are a certain weight and you would like to do what you need to do to lose that weight, whether it's, you know, extraordinary means or not, like that's up to you. It's not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you not what to do with your body. But I do think that we as a society, and I think also people who are in the public eye, it's important for people who are, who are seeing that to understand that that's a choice, but it's not the only choice. And yeah. to also understand, like, I think there's a little bit of a, um, I think it's dangerous to this sort of, it's a bit of a Hollywood shrinking phenomenon, um, is kind of how I've been seeing it. like it's dangerous for to allow everyday people to think that that's easy to do in a lot of cases it requires a lot of money a lot of time a lot of resources um extraordinary means and i think to to sort of send any message that's like i did it so you, therefore you can too um can be dangerous i mean and it can and it can contribute to people people's already, you know, triggered responses to weight, (laughs) to weight loss. You know, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, it's people have, it is very, very common for someone in a bigger body to feel like what's wrong with me that I can't just lose the weight. Like what, you know, that kind of messaging. So I think it's not so much like people who are losing weight shouldn't, I do think you should do whatever you want, but I do think it's important to acknowledge the messaging that, it sends and like to be to be ahead of that is important that is just
0: so well said i love everything that you said and like thank you for sharing that i mean the thing that really stands out to me, i'm thinking about like cuz that's true this is like the first time i've ever seen anybody talk about this um was honestly channing tatum um i don't know he like recently did a an interview for like the new magic mike and somebody was asking him, I think it was Kelly Clarkson. He was like on that show. And she was like asking him about, and by the way, Kelly Clarkson is someone who was pressured to change yep. her body. Definitely. Um, and she was asking him and he said like, very honestly, just so you know, like people shouldn't look like that. It's not just that mm. it was hard. It's actually that it was unhealthy. Like unhealthy. what I had to do to look like that for my body was um, like starving myself. And I mean, I've even been, I've actually been in a movie where somebody, a dude who had like a pretty ripped body, was talking about a shirtless scene that he had to do. And I mean, I didn't know that if that's what's if that's what you're being, if that's what somebody's buying, uh-huh. I didn't know that he was fasting on water um because it like sucks your skin towards your muscles and i didn't even know that was a thing like because i nobody's yeah uh, i haven't been i haven't been yet hired for the job where people are interested in my abs but i really appreciate what you're saying you know the money involved the time involved and the like unhealthy sacrifices for anybody that's like displaying um right uh aspirational
1: Well, we also live in a, in a society that I think applauds weight loss by any means. There's no, there's no real, you know, if, if you lose weight, you therefore are applauded, especially Mm -hmm. if you're in a certain weight bracket to start Mm -hmm. with no knowledge of how you did it, whether it was healthy for you, whether you were suffering from an eating disorder, whether you were very ill, like, it's just like weight loss equals good, so therefore you're applauded and i just don't i think that that is a very dangerous dangerous um message for people to continue to receive over and over again just as someone who is rec- a, a recovering from an eating disorder for my whole basically my whole adult life like it it is dangerous i mean the the statistics mm-hmm. eating disorder statistics are are staggering and that's just the ones we know about you know mm-hmm. what i mean like disordered eating is, is staggering. And, and I I think, look, again, not everybody who is in the public eye may feel a call or responsibility to be an advocate. I am somebody who feels that way. I always have. Um, I feel, I do feel like I have a responsibility and I, I have a responsibility to share my experiences, to advocate for others who are like me, that's not the case for everybody. And I think,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, in some, in some ways I've seen recently, like with celebrity weight loss, you know, even the, the fat community feeling very sad or betrayed or up in arms. And it's like, well, we wouldn't be so sad every time we like lose another fat hero. If there were more fat heroes, (laughs)
0: Like the
1: reason why that's right. And, and I, I can't, I'm I'm human. I can't deny that. Like I was, I felt a certain type of way when I saw that Adele had lost weight. When I saw that Rebel had lost weight, it wasn't that I I wanted to tell them that they couldn't. It was just I thought that that was someone we had. You know, we had that one who was. Talented and successful and powerful and and beautiful and in their body and all that and now we don't have that like they we lost them it is yeah. it does feel like a loss it really does to the community, um, but it is tricky it's really tricky because I am not going to tell anybody what to do with their body totally that's, that's just the facts and and I don't know their stories or their or anything going on with them so I think it's just important that we continue to. For me, it's representation really does matter. And it's important that we continue to lift up people, um, you know, in diverse body types so that the population, which is primarily people who fall into this category, feel seen and heard and celebrated and not alone. That to me is the work. Not so much policing, whether a fat celebrity wants to lose weight or gain weight or yeah. or, or weight in general should never be a headline as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it yeah. just never needs to be a headline. Um so that's kind of, you know, it's really important to me. I've hung a lot of my ambitions and my own work on that, on that sort of advocacy um, goal.
0: So, you know, well, thanks again for sharing all that. Cause I do think it's super important to talk about it. If folks are open to it, you know, like, and yeah. I know as you're saying, it's not like we have to, and not everybody has to f- fly the flag. Like that's, yeah. you know, there shouldn't be pressure on that either, but I wanted to like give space if that was something you wanted to talk about. And, yeah. um, I'll say, you know, something else that just to point out, you know, how specific this conversation is, when folks in Hollywood or in the public eye, like get shit done to their faces, for instance, Mm. we don't have them sit on a couch and and applaud the stuff they've done to their face and and talk about it, you know, and I and obviously like also. There can be a zillion reasons why somebody makes this choice, as you're saying, you know, like right. to, to change their size, like for for whatever reason. Like, and yeah, that's not usually true in the same way for something like cosmetic surgery. But just for folks that are doing it because they feel pressured, that's the same yeah. reason folks are doing this other thing. Yeah, and yeah. that is really shamed. You know, so we really do put like weight in a special category in terms of.
1: Yeah. Part it. of it is because weight and health have become yes. these two kind of interchangeable Conflicted. terms. Yeah. And and it's not, they're just simply, it's simply just actually scientifically not true that you can know somebody's health level based on their weight. Um, and that is a, a myth that I, I think we are starting to bust and like even medical professionals who... In my experience, have consistently not been good for this cause. (laughs) Are starting to come around and say, "Okay, these are these things are 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 not have become conflated." Um, Yeah, and so I think the we're a health obsessed culture. We're also a health policing culture, right? We think that we can tell people, particularly fat people, are health policed more than any other group because it's like you, I have a right to tell you because it's unhealthy, and that somehow gives me a, a right to make a comment. So I think until those two words really can exist separately. And we can acknowledge that you just can't determine someone's health based on their weight. And on top of that, whether or not I am healthy by your standards or medical standards or whatever standards does not therefore give you a right to have bias against me, discriminate against me, prejudice, treat me like shit, tell me what to do, call me names. Like, my health does not determine whether or not I'm worthy of self respect. Oh, um like, beautiful. And respect from you. So I think those are some things that we still are definitely working on. And and I, I think it's about like getting the information out there, people who have a voice, like using it. Um, but I think that's why you're seeing like it it's it's applauded because people think that it's means you're healthy.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. And I want to ask you about something that you just said, which is that yeah. you've received um, some negative attention from medical professionals. Um, oh yeah. You know, I think that's something that maybe we don't talk about as much as we should. I mean, it's that's also true for, say, for instance, for Black women, where there's mm-hmm. like, there are statistics about like who gets to have pain medication while giving birth, and it's like yep. white women are trusted. More than black women, and that is fucking wild. And it's because yeah. we have been taught that like black folks in this country are trying to get away with something, and trying to get away with drugs, and trying to get away. And it's yep. like, in that context to police someone in that way is so fucked. So anyway, you know, I, I think I just think this is like it, it's certainly it's certainly something we. like compared to 20 years ago I see people sort of talking about it but you know I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more
1: as much as you want to yeah yeah about your experience I think you know the medical I think we at least I'll speak for myself like you know there is like that white coat syndrome I think a lot of people have like this is someone who is very well educated knows way more than I know and like I used to get nervous going to the doctor, period. I mean, when you're a kid, you go and you're sick. Like, that's, it's a scary place. You don't want to go there. Like, right. there's that element of it. But, um, you know, there is there is bias, unconscious and otherwise, in all individuals, even doctors. So um, my experiences have been, I, I have had to, more in recent years, I would say, just really lay out boundaries with my doctors. Um, part of that has to do with being very clear from Day one, what my sort of health concerns or goals are. Um, typically those are independent of anything related to weight and then be very clear about advocating for myself in the moment. Like, you know, if, if weight is necessary, if, if you, if you want to weigh me at my appointment, that's up to me or up to me, whether or not I want to know the number. Um, I had an, an interesting experience recently where I went to the doctor and, um, and did height and weight, which I usually won't do, but I did it. And everything the doctor does is through this app. Because it's like a of, kind of new age thing. Anyway, I got these email, the, these in, these sort of auto-generated messages that's like, your healthcare plan. And it was like um, some of the things she and I had talked about. And then there was one that I got that was just like an automated BMI mm-hmm. um, message. Right. That basically was like your weight and health ratio or height and height ratio puts you in a BMA, BMI of blank. And it was clearly just a generated response. Like, And it was telling me that I should consider um, losing weight, that if I couldn't, I should consider going on this prescription drug. If I couldn't do it, then I should consider bariatric surgery. It was clearly just like an automated message that when a BMI is triggered, it gets sent out. And I lost my shit. I wrote my doctor the longest letter in that app. And I was like, this is at at best, like an overlook situation. At worst, this is irresponsible. This is irresponsible doctoring because this is what this message said to me. Do you realize like, you're my doctor. Do you think I should consider bariatric surgery? Honestly, because this is just getting pushed out to anybody who falls in this bmi which is a completely outdated by the way like measure yes. of health and yeah. like it it was basically every every one of my like worst nightmares when it comes to like doctors and how they relate to weight came out in this thing anyway we ended up having a great back and forth about it and and um and, and a good dialogue about it but it was something that i just couldn't believe you know was being just blasted out based on right. you know your bmi and it's things like that where you know, I've done a ton of work, therapy and otherwise, to get to a place where I can even talk about these things and advocate for myself without breaking down. So many people don't aren't at that place, and they're mm-hmm. getting those automated messages too. Mm-hmm. And they're getting those automated messages, and instead of saying, hey, I've done the research and this is fucked up, they're saying, okay, well, I guess I should consider bariatric surgery. And it's like, it's those people that I care about, that I, that I want to you know, to, to help or reach with any messages that I have, because I've learned to advocate for myself and that's taken years and years and years, and I'm still working on it. Um, and there are people who don't have that strength right now or don't have that support. Um, so that's unfortunate and there's still, unfortunately, a very long way to go. um, even in, even in the medical field. And also
0: access, right? And I know I'm not, but like, oh my you God. know, it's not just like strength and support. It's like access, you know? And access. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. And, you know, I guess what I'll say is that, um, and again, like so appreciated how much you're sharing on this. You know, a way that I can relate is in um, doctors responding to my gender, you know? And like, that is really tough. Um, you know, it took me till I was 27 to go to the gynecologist, and it took me till I was 39 to go to the gynecologist for the second time. Um, I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's that's really something. And um mm-hmm. I also have a primary care doctor that like honestly is pretty good. And yeah. It was rough. A couple I have recurring back pain, like chronic back pain and um shoulder pain, and it's It's, like, stress-induced, and, like, I have a bit of, like, a hunch. Even, like, my spine is, like, a little Mm -hmm. um, curved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do so much work on this to, like, reduce my pain, but it's rough. And I was talking to my doctor about this and looking for a referral for possible, like, breast reduction because... Um, I can't figure out what else to do. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm not making that choice right now, but I was just asking for a referral. And my doctor looked at me and was like, I don't know, your breasts aren't even that big. And that is the thing a doctor said to me.
1: <laughs> I know, my God. <laughs> Which is
0: like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. This is like a straight sis dude also, by the way,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: who honestly like has good connections to other people I like. So I didn't immediately switch like, I, I stuck in there, you know, he sees my wife too. It's, it's complicated. It's complicated. You know, it's my wife complicated, has a complicated health situation. And this is a hub for her. And like, it's helpful for this guy to know both of us,
1: whatever. But like, that is so fucked. It's fucked. It's fucked. And to, and to be for it to be like your responsibility in that moment to like, have the emotional and mental wherewithal to advocate for yourself is mm-hmm. like really hard. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it you shouldn't be put in that position, period, you know? And, like, that's wild. That's totally wild. I'm so sorry. I'm, no, like, I mean, we're laughing because it's oh unbelievable. Oh, God, but like, it's too much. But, like, it's hard. I mean, look, I, it's think, hard. I think I think that it is about learning how to advocate for yourself, even in scenarios or with people who you, you perceive have authority over you. And I think doctors are definitely that, um... And in some ways that's good, right? Like they, they, they have studied, they do know more than I do about certain things. Um, But just not being afraid to advocate for yourself in that moment is, is the, is the challenge. It's very difficult. That's It's difficult across so many different fields and boards and in our industry. And I'm sure many people's work life as well. It's just, it's, it's like, I, I recently noticed that every time I do a new show, I'll get a, um, an intake form from the costume department oh God, and, it'll, and it'll and Fucking it'll say <laughs> you know your size is whatever fine and <sighs> the first questions are always height and weight uh-huh. and I and I always write my height because I think that that is applicable and then in weight I write not applicable because it simply Fuck, is not applicable yeah. here how is how much I weigh applicable to what size clothes I wear like and I can't believe that it's 2023, and, like, we haven't put it together that costume designers don't need to know how much you weigh.
0: Oh, my God. I, number one, I forgot it's 2023, so we'll just start there. <laughs> um, when you said that, I said, that's, no, what are, Isn't no that crazy? what are you talking about in my mind? That's what I said. But yeah, um, 2023. Yeah, I, you know, again, I really relate to that because I had somebody, I was in a fitting, and I even said, like, I say to people, this is uncomfortable for me. I say uh-huh. that when I walk in, I say like gender. I have gender stuff going on. Like I know what to ask for in terms of clothes, um, but I say this: like this is uncomfortable for me. I wear men's clothes. You're gonna have to tailor them. Uh-huh. Um, that's fine with me. I might. You could bring some like women's options, but like uh-huh. we'll see. You know, and you're gonna have to like have a crew to work on this because it's not gonna be something that like it probably isn't gonna be something that fits me off the rack in terms of how I wanna wear it. And like, that's actually your job. So cheers, you know? Yeah and I give people a heads up. Sometimes I call them ahead of time, sometimes they say I say when I walk in the room, whatever. But there was somebody there was somebody who was doing a fitting in the and they had a seamstress walk in who I hadn't said this to. And they also didn't say this to her. And she was like moving my clothes around and she told me to stop wiggling in a pretty fucking mean way. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I think I get to wiggle, first of all. And second of all, like, it's not. And I feel the same way about the doctor. It's like part of the reason I can get a little like deflated in that situation and lose the ability to advocate for myself myself Mm -hmm. is because. I'm already down walking in. If you're my 100%. friend, you say something fucked. My dad, no offense to my dad, and you say something fucked, <laughs> that's an easier situation for me. Yeah. But, you know, when we're already down for the count, it's like, damn, dude, I'm already fucking on the floor right now.
1: I'm like already feeling yeah. stressed, you know? Well, I think it's amazing that you you lead with that up front, especially with the costume people. I do I do a similar thing where I just kind of let everybody know, like, hey, I don't know if you have experience working with larger bodied actresses but um, or actors, but there can be an assumption that I have complexes about my body that I am here to tell you I do not have. You don't need mm. to take care of me. You don't need to make any comments mm. that are about my body. like Because my experience is more that they're uncomfortable and perceive that I have issues with my body and therefore overcompensate by saying things like oh, don't worry. Every all, even the skinny girls wear spanks. or, oh, you know, like little, little comments like that where I'm like, but I don't have a problem here. Like, and you assuming I have a problem is a problem.
0: <laughs> so Yo. just kind of like,
1: in some ways it's like giving them the freedom to be like, you don't have to take care of me. We're good. I'm good. Like, and I will advocate for myself when needed. Um, Because I don't think that, I really don't think that there are ill intentions anywhere. I think that it is learned behavior, learned social norms that people are inhabiting. And it's just, it sucks that while you're already feeling down for the count, you have to then like muster your strength and advocate. But I do think it will change the game over time if you continue to do that.
0: Well obviously i'm obsessed with you because i was super late for the podcast and i was like we're just gonna go for 45 minutes and it's fully oh, no. 59 minutes and 45 seconds in <laughs> we gotta go which is like no i mean that's that i'm obviously you know could talk to you for a real long time and i hope yeah, I we get like a chance to do that i would love um, that yeah because i really i really like you you're very cool
1: i really um, like you too ah! Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh,
0: before I send you back into your day, I just want to ask you to shout out a queero, which is something we always do on the show. So oh, I love this. Like this is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you
1: are today. Oh my God! There's so many. For some reason, I cannot stop thinking as as I'm as I'm mulling this over of this bar in new york that anybody who's gay knows it's called the cubby hole yes <laughs> in the west village um I, like i said there's a million answers i could give you to what you just said but like that's what just popped into my head five times in a row so it felt like it was the one to, to say yeah the cubby hole in the west village the first really lesbian bar because that we considered it i don't know if it's still mostly women but at the time i was going when i was at in college it was mostly women. Um, was the first, like, lesbian bar I went to where I just, like, looked around and I was like,
0: Hmm.
1: oh, like, everybody here is exactly like me. (laughs) And, like, there's, and it's such a joyful place and it's such a fun place and it's, like, it's playful and it's, I just, my, so many of my formative years in, like, figuring out who I was, coming out, all that happened in those tiny, tiny four walls of that tiny little dive bar on West Forth so shout out to the cubbyhole
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely shout out to the <laughs> i've never i've been there like mul- so many multiple times and i always i think maybe it's just my age i like didn't go there young enough but i feel so awkward because i can't tell what i'm supposed to do if i'm not flirting with everybody because i think that's I the vibe that. of that place is i think you're supposed to be trying to you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to, <laughs> you're oh, trying to smash and uh i'm just in there like well, queer culture is, is good for, for me to know about. You know, like yes. I don't know what to do. I just stand there.
1: I think you are right. It was the perfect place to go as like a very horny 19, 20, 21 year old. <laughs> I haven't been back since. So I don't know how I would feel now. Yeah. But as far as like going somewhere that is like a gay celebration of like sexuality and just like freedom, that was the cubby hole for uh, sure. We love it.
0: We love well, it. Uh, you're awesome. Thanks again for taking time to talk. And um, of course, thanks. Thanks, for, thanks for your work on the show. It's beautiful.
1: Thank you. It's really fun to watch. Thank you so much.